Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and we are live from Herdat Sports Bar again. And I'm so excited about tonight's topic because there's just something that's so awesome about breakfast food. Whether it is just like stick to your ribs, pancakes, and bacon, and sausage, or it's something trendy like avocado toast or a pork belly burrito, whatever it is, going out to breakfast or brunch is just fun. And I like I wanted to learn more about why and just like the the environment that uh, that these restaurants exist in. So I've got three of my favorite restaurant owners. Uh, they all own breakfast spots here today. Um, I'm just so excited to introduce them. We've got Christian Brayback from Good Looking. We've got Megan McClarney who. Um, who owns, oh my gosh, I'm blanking already. What do I do? Uh, gravy Train, uh, Biscuits and Gravy, and also Lemon Tree Cafe in Ralston, and Chase Thompson of Saddle Creek Breakfast Club. So I would love uh, for you guys just to start off here, um, especially for people who are listening audio-wise, to just introduce voices so people can recognize and everything. Just kind of introduce yourself and then introduce your concept. Kind of what is your... If your restaurant has its unique fingerprint, what makes it unique among the Omaha uh, breakfast restaurant scene? Chase, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, Chase Thompson with Saddle Creek Breakfast Club. Um, We've been open, uh, we're about to enter our seventh year of being open, and we've kind of taken the same approach the the entire time, which is how can we be um, a little bit different? Um, How can we refine what a typical brunch does and then... Um, something that we're more interested in now is kind of pushing the envelope on um, what kind of classifies food as being breakfast food. Um, and so that's where we're always at. We try to stay creatively on the forefront. We're our, uh, food first restaurant. Um, and we just go wherever the wind takes us. I'm Megan. Um, I'm, I started out with Gravy Train and then recently opened up Lemon Tree Cafe with my sister. And that's like a full-time brunch restaurant. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it, the roots are really in like food that makes you feel something. And breakfast is, sharing breakfast with someone is really special. Um, it's like starting your day. So as like from a chef perspective, the biggest honor to, to send someone off that way. Uh, so all of our food is, um, is kind, of, kind of special that way, but... Biscuits and gravy are kind of the core of it, and then everything branches off of that. And I'm Christian Brabeck, and I have uh, Good Looking. And we serve kind of a, I like to say, a mix of kind of elevated Midwestern favorites. So kind of the, some of the stick-to-the-rib favorites that you mentioned, Dan, the chicken fried steak, the biscuits and gravy. Uh, we really Churro good. French toast. Churro French toast definitely is going to stick to your ribs. <laughs> and uh, breakfast burritos. And then uh, we mix that with some other kind of more creative, lighter, healthier options. So kind of our signature good-looking bowl that has a bunch of fun stuff going on. Um, hummus bowls, grain bowls, kind of fun stuff like that. And so and we try to keep it all approachable while still elevating a little bit and, uh, and casual as well. So we do counter-style service. We order up at the front and have a seat with a table number. And we bring it out to you. So, um, yeah, trying to do our own little spin on breakfast and brunch with that. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys, and I was excited to get into my first question. Megan, you kind of already answered it for yourself, so I would love to hear from 
uh, from Christian and Chase and Megan, if you have anything else to add, but you guys are all culinary professionals. You know a lot about food. You, you cook food very well. You know how to operate a business, but in the spectrum of restaurants, you've chosen breakfast over a lunch spot, over a dinner spot, over a bar, anything like that. What is it that draws you to breakfast food and a breakfast concept specifically? I think, uh, selfishly, I just love brunch. And I mean, to kind of dive into that, I, I don't know, there's something about waking up in the morning and getting really excited to go eat some good food and finding something that you, to me, it's something you can't necessarily do at home. So how are you elevating it a little bit, doing it a little bit different? Um, and so that, you know, like I said, selfishly, that's the number one reason I just love to brunch, but also it's, I mean, honestly, from a work-life balance, breakfast and lunch is kind of, a, in my personal opinion, a better day part to work. So the get up early, I'm, I'm, I'm better with that than staying up late. And so having the breakfast and lunch day part is a little bit better for me personally than the maybe the dinner day part or the lunch and dinner day part. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, believe it or not, um, because of how young I look, but I've actually been in the industry <laughs> for over 25 years now. And, uh, you know, that's all great when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, getting home at midnight, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. But when you're 41 and you have two kids, um, it's not the best thing. And if it is the best thing, then your wife's probably mad at you. So <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the way that it loans itself to family life is unlike any other service that there is. And then the other thing is that the brunch market still is drastically underserved in this town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that... <clears throat> For about the first two or three years ago, I really paid attention to um, kind of other breakfast or brunch restaurants that were opening around me. You know, you're, you're running this business, and you're, you, you don't want competition, but you want competition. And really, in the last two or three years, you've just kind of learned that the more brunch and breakfast restaurants open up, it's really just growing the market. And it makes sense, because when you think about the amount of dinner restaurants that we have in this town that are all, all making it and doing well... Um, I think the more the merrier and the more the market has room to grow. So um, the opportunity to um, be at the forefront of that or, or, or um, contribute to that is exciting. Why do you think Omaha's lagging in brunch restaurants? I mean, obviously, like, it, it's growing. Like, Good Lookin' and Lemon Tree are both under three years old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- there, are, there are new places that are entering the market, but why do you think that we've got so many dinner restaurants, so many restaurants, lunch restaurants, but brunch and breakfast are a little behind. Do you have any theories on that, or is it just something random? I think it's just young. I think that um, when you look at the last 10 years, I think until maybe seven or eight years ago, it was all pretty much the same. And I think it was diner style, and I think it was a side of pancakes with your entree and whatnot. Um, And then slowly but surely, they started coming, and then um, even more so after that, we saw some sad closings of some place. There was a place in Dundee called Duggars, if anyone remembers, that my wife and I used to frequent. That was still a kind of a, a cafe-style service brunch, and that's really what it was in town at the time. And then second of all, if you wanted brunch, it was Sunday. And even the places that are doing um, lunch, dinner services throughout the week are now doing brunch Saturday and Sunday as opposed to just Sunday because the market's just there. And, um, I mean, there's there's so much more room for creativity, for... Um, I mean, we were talking on the side earlier about Turkish breakfast. They like bring those ideas. I think I think Omaha's ready for it. What in you guys' minds outside of your restaurants? Because all your restaurants are great, obviously. But when you eat brunch somewhere else, what do you think makes a great brunch restaurant? Like when you're eating there, and between the ambiance and the food and the service, what makes you go, "Wow, this place is doing it right." I mean, I rarely get to go out to brunch, so it's really important that I feel welcome. Like, I want to feel that everybody there wants me there. And you can't really um, you can't really pay for that or buy that. Like, you can train your staff and whatever, but, but there's, a, there's a collective with brunch when it's happening where the guests are part of that. And it's it's a vibe, for lack of a like you know less trendy word, that comes out of the community. And when you have um, people that are there because they want to be there, eating food and being served, and there's like this warmth that comes out, and you feel it, and you want to be there. And I've had the best food and not enjoy the vibes some places, and 
I want to go back, but I get it to go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so it's like, if I'm going to get a day off and ask someone to wake up early, come with me, spend that, that little extra from what, like, your typical breakfast would cost. Um, for me, I want to be in a place where um, there's, like, a community feel happening. I definitely feel that in these guys' restaurants. Like, And so I've spent precious, like, moments off in their restaurants because of that. And it's something about, um, it's something about like that, that waiting room feel where everybody is happy to be waiting because they know it's going to be good and they don't mind waiting in line because the person that's going to take their order is like right there with them. And there's something about that feel. And, and Omaha is really special. So I go, I, I seek out the best brunch everywhere I go whenever I travel and like, where is the good breakfast? And they might have all the stars and the food's good, but they, they don't feel like our places. And so though that feeling is really important. And I think it's got something to do with a conversation that goes on between the chef, the, the servers, and the guests, um, where it's, it's dynamic and the food is more exciting because of that. Um, so there's like a tradition there and you feel it. Um, so my favorite places to go are places that feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's culture. I think it's developing good culture among among your team. I think that's it's one of the most unthought about, but one of the hardest mm-hmm. things to do. But if you have good good culture among your people, then your guests feel that too. Mm-hmm. How do you create good culture? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> play, play, let, them, let them have control of the radio so they can play whatever music yeah. they want, I guess. Um, no, I mean... You know, as as a small business owner, like you try to make it clear to your people that you want everyone to rise together. So you want you want to relieve financial stresses in their life. You want them to know that they're going to have a place that's going to be able to pay their bills. You want to know that they're going to have a place that's going to stand by by them if they have a car accident and can't work for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know that they're being heard. Um, they want to know that their input is is being considered. Um, you know, that's the way that restaurants have to be now because if it's not, good people are hard enough to come by as it is and you're not going to hold on to them if you're not working on your culture every day. Yeah, culture is definitely the hardest part and the thing you see most consistently with restaurants that do really well. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's treating your team like they're human. Like you said, listening to them, talking with them, letting them vent and provide feedback. And, and it's hard because there's so many things you're juggling as a small business owner that, um, you know, sometimes there's, there's financial stuff you're worrying about or fixes that need to happen in the front of the house or the kitchen. At the same time, you have a team member who's complaining about something that's happening at home, but you got to do all those things. It's just part of the, of the, the balancing act that's really hard. But, um, you know, if you're able to do it halfway well, then you can have a good restaurant, a good team, a good culture. And, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's, it's worth it. Where do you guys stand on eating breakfast? Breakfast food, foods that we commonly define <laughs> as breakfast food at other times of the day, like our good people right now. They're having French toast and biscuits and gravy and, and lox toast, and it's 6 o'clock at night. Where do you guys stand on that? I we, love it. Yeah. <laughs> we, most of our sales all the way through the day are by, by far breakfast foods, um, without a doubt. And so I think a lot of people love it. If I, so there's, there's times that I'll stay at the restaurant and prep until late at night, and I'll get home, and the kids will be in bed, and... I'll be hungry, and it'll literally be one pot, starting with Jimmy Dean sausage and uh, a handful of frozen hash browns from my freezer, whatever vegetables we have left, some hot sauce, and just crack eggs and just stir that thing up, and I'll eat, I'll eat that every night. Yeah, Brenner is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, um, I don't know, it's kind of a triumph. Like, okay, growing up with, I don't know if you guys had, like, working parents, you know, um, I was the oldest kid, so I had to make dinner for my siblings who were just a little younger, but I had all the responsibility, and we'd have breakfast for dinner night every Wednesday, and Brinner night, you know, and when my mom and dad kind of got better off, they got like a fancy stove that had a griddle in the middle, <laughs> so it was like game over, just making making that happen, so like as an adult, I guess, that's like, um, it's just like a, 
a little love note to the work my parents did and the fun of having pancakes for dinner and not knowing that it's because we were in a tough spot or whatever. But like, it is easy, it's fast. It's, it, you can individualize, like everyone can have their own way, an omelet or a pancake or whatever. You can all top it however you want. It's so fun. So like like lemon tree, we just added brinner um, on Mondays. So we're doing <laughs> we're doing brunch for dinner every Monday. And like for us service people, we never get to go out to brunch. It's not fair. Um, so Mondays, a lot of restaurant people have a day off. A lot of restaurants are closed on Monday, and it's horrible. But because um, that's our day off, <laughs> and we're like, I want to go out. So we're doing that, and um, it's just it's really important, I think, to have breakfast all the time <laughs> like, but if you can go like mexican food for like like i hate to stereotype because mexico's huge and there's so many types of food but in omaha a lot of mexican restaurants will have a breakfast all day way ahead of us like you yeah. know diner folks mm-hmm. so um you know it's just it's the absolute best and i i think like in an egg like in a lot of cultures that's just something you would put on anything Put it on my fried rice. I love that, you know. So why would you just keep eggs to the morning? It's crazy. I was so excited because I was prepping for this podcast, and it was just like <laughs> last week, I think, that you guys announced that you were doing Brinner, and I was like, finally, someone's doing it. Because <laughs> I, I feel like there's kind of this this odd phenomenon where it's like breakfast food is contained to the a.m., but we can eat anything throughout other times of the day. Like, you can have leftovers for breakfast. That's not weird. At you guys' restaurants, you offer steaks and fried chicken and sandwiches. Mm-hmm. That's not weird for a breakfast place to to offer that. But if you want to go out for dinner and have a plate of biscuits and gravy or have a stack of pancakes or something like that, good luck finding that in Omaha. Like, other than what you're doing right now, Megan, well, why do you guys think that is? is does the market just not call for it? I think part of it is uh, is, a, is a, a brunch restaurant. Logistically, honestly, staying open all day um, is harder because, like, right now, staffing-wise, I have um, a bunch of people who are full-time, and staffing-wise, it's kind of perfect how we're laid out with breakfast and lunch, how many days are open during the week, and then to open for dinner as well. So logistically, you have to bring in almost a whole other team to mm. staff that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I don't think there, you know, it's a, it's a secret hate for breakfast in the PM, but... Uh, Maybe it's just more logistically, at least for us anyways, because when you have a whole restaurant space, you know, it makes sense to try to use as many hours as possible to try to pump as much sales out as possible. But uh, but it can be a challenge logistically. Not impossible, though, but uh, definitely a challenge. Yeah, and in addition, like like as far as servers go, <clears throat> you know, there are, there's a lot of servers out there, that, the full-time ones that kind of do a, a double shift, which is the lunch service and the dinner service. Um, but you have to understand a lunch service is three hours and a dinner service is four to five hours and our breakfast services are seven hours straight through. Mm. We contemplated even after the beginning of splitting that up and doing a, a starting service staff and an ending service staff. And ultimately it doesn't work because it's so fast paced. There's no time to get people off the floor and new people on the floor. So it's literally just a seven hours straight through. And um, like I said, I've been in the industry a long time. It's a grueling seven hours. And it's to be um, to keep your your mind peaked and your and your body peaked during a seven hour service. It's not an easy thing to do. And honestly, I get servers, seasoned servers, in all the time that go through the fir- first Sunday, and they're like, "Well, that was humbling," <laughs> 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 because because it is. It's a different. It's a completely different animal. And the idea of having someone go through that and then possibly try to pull a night shift too just sounds unrealistic to me. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. These are the things that us outside the industry don't consider enough, I don't sure. think. is just, oh, yeah, staffing might prevent that. Yeah. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> you just end up doing it all. But um, for, like, the young restaurants, we're there all night, like, anyway. Because, like, when it's all from scratch, you're prepping all day. So I was just like, what if we just, like, people come knocking on the window? <laughs> and I was just like... Why, instead of just, like, waving and giving them a free coffee, like, just let them come in? <laughs> we'll see. Ask me in a month. <laughs> yeah. But but even even as you're doing it, it's one night a week. It's kind of more of a event type of deal than, hey, we're staying open all day. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll see how it goes. But for now, I love that you're doing it. Well, so Gravy Train was at the Interrail Food Hall for a year. We had a one-year contract. It started as a... It started as a two-day pop-up that got turned into a two-week pop-up that got turned into a one-year contract. And, um, 
you know, I realized right away there, like, it's a dinner place. You can't really bank on having a breakfast crowd coming there, no matter how much your breakfast rocks. Like, it doesn't really matter. So we opened up at nights, and people at first were really sort of weird about it, and then eventually we just had all the regulars, and they would just, like, come in chanting, like, <laughs> like what? Biscuits or whatever, you know, and they they loved it. So the, it's contagious, that tradition of having Brenner. It catches, and it does. It takes time. So Omaha is baby, baby fresh with this, and um, I think it's going to be huge for a lot of people. Maybe we can see it grow in the future. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the reverse of that, too, and this is something I know that you're passionate about, Chase. And when I had you on the podcast uh, for your first appearance, we, we talked about this, is the concept of introducing foods that we as Americans don't necessarily consider breakfast foods into things that are acceptable to eat for breakfast, like a fried rice, like noodles. These are things that other countries and other cultures do, but for whatever reason, we don't really do it here. Is it possible to change what's acceptable breakfast food in America or even just scale it smaller down and say in Omaha? Absolutely. I mean, like, even right now, the way that we approach anytime we're adding something new to the menu is we kind of look at it at two different ways that we can go at it. Is we can, we can think of something that is a delicious dish that's traditionally not breakfast, and then we think about whether or not we can just change a little bit of it to make it a little bit breakfast, and we'll do something like that. So, like, right now on the menu, we're doing a shakshuka dish that's just out of this world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first it doesn't get ordered a ton and it comes with like a, a naan bread and it's really, it's, it's a couple of poached eggs and tomato and uh, it's really heavily spiced and it's really aromatic and, it, and it's perfect. It's barely breakfast. Um, and then there's another direction that we'll take something that's traditional breakfast food and we'll try to tweak it to the point that maybe it's not so breakfast anymore. So like we'll take an omelet and we'll put like, unagi sushi sauce and kimchi on it on it and it's it's absolutely delicious it doesn't make any sense at all like culturally it doesn't even make sense but um when you eat it it's balanced and it works but um we're looking to expand on that i I think if you explore larger marketed areas i think that you'll be surprised at how many people are offering an all-day menu during during breakfast all the time and i'm (laughs) telling you um fresh uh fresh pastas at breakfast is a thing and it's going to be big and I and I hope to be kind of at the forefront of that at Countryside. We're working on it right now. We've kind of tested the waters with it already. We do uh, a from scratch bolo sauce and we do it over soft scrambled eggs with like just a ton of grated Romano cheese on it and toast and um, it's perfect. So it's like, can we eliminate eggs from it completely? And will we have people order it? And I think the answer is going to be going to be yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have three hands right here that would all order that right now. I heard lots of good stuff about that breakfast bowl in the A's. It looked amazing. Yeah, it was a good idea. I don't, I'm not sure if it was mine or not, but I'll say it was. Yeah, <laughs> you own the restaurant. That's how you create good culture in a restaurant. Take credit for all the ideas. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'm actually the only one that works there. <laughs> Well, like, Kitchen Table's been doing that forever. Okay, so, like, they used to serve... This, that's my favorite place to go for brunch. That's fantastic. My absolute favorite, if I get a Sunday off, but I don't. <laughs> but um, that's my favorite. And, like, in the early days, oh, my gosh, I'd get, like, a bowl of grits with, like, duck and an egg. <laughs> like, it's breakfast. Cool. Mm. Or, like, savory granola and yogurt and beets and... It was like stuff that you would think you'd have at dinner in like across the ocean, um, but they've been doing it and they've been doing it perfectly, and it's it makes sense because they like it's home, you know, and it's that it's that vibe in there that makes it like comfortable to where you're like this this is like so much love in it and it's so perfect the, the food is so good, but it's just using inspiration of like what do I want to eat today what do I have today. And you do it, and you can make anything into brunch, and I think brunch should be, like, all day, every day, but it is kind of a special thing. So, like, there's breakfast all day, and then there's brunch, and there's a difference. Mm-hmm. What is that difference? I think you can't wear, um, you know, your slippers to brunch. <laughs> <laughs> brunch is a shoes-only service? It's the only fashion rule I have. <laughs> That's it, but... 
Um, there's something about brunch that's just a little bit um, more special, and I feel like it's it's something about tradition. Like there's like more tradition involved. There's a little more thought, and like um, there's a story inside of the dish versus like this is this is efficient food to fuel you for the day now in the morning for breakfast, which is also great. <laughs> I do want to uh, go off your point and give a quick shout out to Kitchen Table, the chili crisp biscuit sandwich that they have is one of the best breakfast sandwiches I've ever had. And the way that Colin, the chef there, described it to me, it's like if you took a breakfast sandwich and Chinese takeout and mashed them together, <laughs> which makes no sense until you bite into it and you get like that soy sauce in the eggs and it's just umami oh, wow. everywhere. It's fantastic. And, of course, scratch-made biscuit, they scratch-make everything. It's, it's phenomenal. So, anyway, shout-out to Kitchen Table. We love you guys. Christian, what do you think? Is it is it possible to change the way that we think about breakfast foods? Yeah, I think I think so. I think right now, just in general, um, you know, zooming way out, uh, people are way more open to trying new things than they ever have been before, um, and kind of blurring the genres and the lines between different things. And so, in in breakfast and, and brunch as well, I think people breakfast versus brunch. I think people get excited about brunch for some reason. Like you hear brunch, I go, oh, we're going to have brunch. Like let's maybe have a drink. Let's, let's like, invite friends and make it a social thing. It feels like an event somehow. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, we can go and you can have a new menu item on as part of that experience. I think people are maybe a little bit more excited to, to try out that new thing that they've never had before. Um, to take a little bit of a risk. Um, but you know, you gotta, you kind of walk that line too between, um, keeping it approachable while still elevating it and trying new stuff out. And so, you know, you can scare people off with some of these exciting new things, but um, but it can be done really well to where you're still introducing them to something new and kind of giving it its due share, but uh, but not scaring people away. So this might seem like kind of a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm just interested. You guys have worked, I believe, all had worked different shifts, not just breakfast, or you've had concepts that have had uh, services other than just breakfast. Other than the time of day, how does a breakfast or a brunch service dinner from differ? Excuse me, from a dinner service. Like, are customers more understanding and friendly, or are they more demanding? Is it tougher on the kitchen? Is there more chaos? Just what are what are the differences in your eyes between those two service times? I think it's incredibly fast paced. Um, you know, breakfast and dinner time. A lot of time, people go out for dinner, and, and, and depending on where they go to, but they're a little more relaxed. It's the end of the day. They're getting a meal. They're having a drink. They're coursing out their food. Breakfast and lunch, a lot of times, are faster, um, especially during the week. You know, you are having a, a quick meeting and coffee and breakfast, or you're doing something before an appointment, um, and it's quick. And so your ticket times are fast. Orders are flying in quick, and people expect it to be a little bit faster. So. Um, from the kitchen side, it's definitely a, a grind because you are just, like Chase said, for seven hours, you're zoned in, reading everything coming up and trying to stay a- ahead on it. And it's uh, it's very fast-paced, um, in my opinion, compared to like the dinner service. Yeah, I mean, even I think it's a tale of kind of two different weeks that you deal with, too, and I'm sure that you guys experience it, too. But you're, like our Tuesday through Friday crowd, they just kind of are our regulars. And they get what we're doing, and they will come in and they'll order what, whatever's on the menu, and it's nice and it's peaceful. <laughs> Saturday and, and then Sunday, the weekend hits. Saturday and Sunday, and I I love the entire city of Omaha, believe me. But when they all converge, and you get that Saturday Sunday group that really wants to personalize their own breakfast, they've been eating the same breakfast, and they like they want. Their eggs a certain way that doesn't even exist, and they want to substitute this out for this because that's what Sunday brunch is, and that's what they came here to do is to have Sunday brunch. And I don't want to say something drastic like they don't get it. They just they they're not they're not. Um, gosh, how do I say this and not sound like a jerk? Um, <laughs> it's they require a little bit more attention. There Your Saturday and yes. Sunday crowns require a little bit more attention, I, and I always say it to my servers too because we are always encouraging servers to kind of steer your, your customer in the direction that they want to go already. So if they're already taking one item and modding it so deeply that it's not even unrecognizable anymore, maybe we need to steer that customer in a different direction. And I think it was said best um, by uh, the late Anthony Bourdain used to say, um, cooking is about control and eating is about submission. 
So you have to kind of trust your kitchens to be controlling to try that. They are trying their hardest to give you the best experience of the way that they've put together each dish. And your job as the diner is really to enjoy that dish kind of the way that they've intended it to be. And will we ever get all the way there? Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, we love and welcome everyone that comes in the door. But the weekend crowd just hits a little bit different, in my opinion. What do you think, Megan? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's equally challenging either way, you know? Like, there's those people that, like, they have chosen you as their place and their ritual, and you're going to make what they're going to eat every Tuesday through Friday <laughs> or whatever. And then there's the weekend crowd. It's, it's tough because maybe, maybe you invited out people you don't usually see and you convince them brunch would be a great idea and now they've all waited 35 minutes in the waiting room and you know different generations are getting a little antsy and they finally see you know and you want everybody to get exactly what they want it's it's a lot of pressure when you're entertaining so our guests are already stressed out sometimes like I see that not everybody's having a great time before they eat I mean once they eat they're all happy right but like there's that pressure that, like, this is special for them and that you do need to deliver whatever they had in their head. That w- There's a lemon tree cafe in, like, M- Maine or something, and they have some kind of quiche that everybody wants. <laughs> they keep coming in, and I can make a mean quiche, but I just refuse because I'm like, I'm not making it. I'm not making that quiche. No. But they all come in, and they're like, I want the quiche. Where is, where is it? It's highly reviewed and rated, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. But um, you know, it's tough. It's it's weird. Like we kind of we kind of came to this like agreement when we opened up that I was just gonna make all the eggs over medium. <laughs> like everybody was like, "You can't do that. <laughs> That's never gonna work." And like it was like this whole thing. And I was just like, "Well, can we just write it that way on the menu and like see?" And at first there was a lot of like, well, I want them. And then now people just kind of trust and like, this is just good. Just, just have it the way I want. But if you just go out and, and say, this is how I really like it. Will you try it? (laughs) Usually people are pretty excited to try it and they'll go along with you. So it is just, it's painful at times, but, um, you know, it's fun too, because we can, we can break through with people who have this idea of what brunch is supposed to be and what breakfast is and then like if you gain their trust maybe they come and they just get seriously they'll they'll be like I want pancakes with nothing on it please don't garnish my food you know I get that all the time people are like don't garnish my food and like they get upset because I have to I'm like colorful but then um they get that a couple times and you earn their trust and then they start coming back for other things and they're like I got the thing today and you're like oh yeah yeah, it sounded crazy, but I just ordered it. <laughs> and I'm like, what, was it okay? <laughs> yeah, I ate it all. So, you know, it's like this relationship-building thing, and it's a time investment, and it's, it's very um, different on the weekends because those, those people might not come back for six months. You know, it's, it's, you don't get that gratification of the regulars on the weekdays that do and come back and tell you that they're back. But um, it's totally worth it. It's so much fun. It's something that I've learned at most restaurants, just trust the chef. Now, obviously, there can be allergies and, you know, food sensitivities and stuff where people might need to adjust dishes, but for the most part, the chef knows more about food than you do. (laughs) They know how flavors go together, they know how textures go together, and I've found that even when I see something on menu and I read the components and I think, ooh, I don't know if I would like walnuts on this, that sounds kind of weird. At this point, I'm just like, I'm just going to order it as is. If I don't like the walnuts, I can take them off. I'm going to try them. And most of the time, you guys are right. (laughs) You know more than I do about how flavors go together. I think a great example, Chase, is your peanut butter banana pancakes, which are just a staple at Saddle Creek Breakfast Club. That's a combination I would never put together. To take a stack of pancakes, peanut butter whip, and bananas. I would never do that at home. But it's something, or I was like, I came into Saddle Creek, and I was like, I want pancakes. This is what's here. I'm going to try it. Phenomenal. You know more than me. (laughs) Sometimes. Always. (laughs) At least when it comes to food, for sure. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. 
And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off CertifiedPiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. You will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, check out CertifiedPiedmontese.com and experience the Certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. Um, Christian, something that you said I want to touch on is you were talking about how just it, it's breakfast is a little bit faster paced than uh, different service times. When you guys are considering who to hire as chefs or as cooks or even as servers, do you factor that in? Are there certain personality traits that you think makes a more makes someone more conducive to being a breakfast restaurant worker? I mean, it's always good to see previous breakfast experience so they kind of know what they're getting themselves into. But um, I mean. It, it's kind of just with anyone, you know, you're looking for someone who's a going to be a good team player and going to fit in with the team and the culture that you have. Um, and then also can stay composed during those crazy services, but you don't really know that when you're just interviewing them before you get them in the middle of a service. And so that one's a little bit harder to, to read, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's truly, it's, it's someone who's just, uh, you know, comes in, who's enthusiastic, who's motivated, who can talk to you, um, once again, like you're a human and have a conversation with you. And if they have those things, enthusiasm, you know, uh, well-spoken, they're excited to be there and have some, a little bit of experience, not necessarily a ton, but just a little bit's helpful. Um, from there, you can kind of take them and, and show them the ropes from there. And so it's not necessarily looking for specific, a ton of specific breakfast um, qualities. It's right. just kind of in general, are you going to be a good person to work with? Do you seem like you're going to be motivated and, uh, can we train you and get you to, to where we need you to be? Gotcha. Something that I like about all you guys is that while you have, you can cook a t- tremendous standard breakfast. Like someone can come in and get just hash browns, well-cooked eggs, bacon, sausage, and it'll be great at your restaurants. But you guys are not afraid to innovate and, you know, play around with food a little bit. Megan, I think you've, created like something like 20,000 different styles of biscuits and gravy in your time between those combinations. I mean, Chase, you know, you've kind of talked about the innovating. We just talked about the uh, peanut butter pancakes and Christian, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, interesting stuff on your menu, including churro French toast, which just sounds at all, like at once it sounds wild. And then it's also just like, oh, duh, that sounds great. (laughs) What is it about breakfast food that kind of makes it this this blank slate, like this culinary playground for you guys? I mean, the the egg is king. Mm-hmm. Like if you make if you can make a good omelet, I'm telling you, you can put whatever you want on top of it, <laughs> and and it'll just work. It's the same way that a fried egg will work on every sandwich. I mean, the egg is just so diverse. Um, it's really like I didn't even realize it until we were probably a couple years in. But I'm like, we can literally do anything. We've done beef stroganoff on an omelet. Um, we've done beets on an omelet. Um, and, and egg is just kind of one of those things. It's kind of like uh, my stance on cream cheese, which is literally cream cheese will go on it, can go on anything. There's nothing that <laughs> won't taste good with cream cheese on it. Um, there's just a handful of ingredients out there that you can really do whatever you want to it. And, and I think an egg is one of them for sure. There's a lot of canvases with breakfast. There's the egg. There's, I mean, pancakes can go sweeter, savory, French toast, sweeter, savory, toast in general, sweeter, savory. So... It's kind of a lot of good foundations that you can build on, and then and then yeah, figure out what else can we pull in from other day parts, from other cultures, and just kind of you know combine the two to see if someone will eat it. It's just kind of fun to see how people like to party. <laughs> like, I mean, some people are like down on the savory, and some people want the sweetest, craziest, richest thing, you know. And it's just brunch is like, what's your dream? Yeah. <laughs> What's your dream indulgence? <laughs> I'm going to put it on some kind of starch or protein and build it up this high, you know. And it's just fun. It's just fun to spoil people with their, like, their dream their dream indulgent way to start their day. And that's brunch. It could be 
could be pancakes. It could be omelets. It's, I don't know. I don't know. We could take like a show of hands here. Like who's the sweet brunch? Like who's the sweet? Oh, wow. Uh, Low numbers. Probably yeah. about 30, 35% of the room just raised their hands. Yeah. So we got I mean, a savory crowd here. A lot here. of savory. Like I'm super love all of it. I'm, Yeah. I don't want everything, and my brunch bill is always like a hundred dollars, yeah. and it's terrible. I usually, go alone. <laughs> no one knows. I, got, I gotta have both. I gotta have a little sweet and yes. savory. My wife and I like game plan on the menu. It's like, what are you going for today? What are you feeling? Okay, I'll go this way then, and we kind of attack it from two different directions. You guys are my type of people. You're game planning <laughs> yeah. your yeah. meals when you go in. Sarah, Absolutely. Sarah knows all about that. Whether yeah. she wants the game plan or not, I'm always asking her. Have you looked at the menu? What are you thinking? She's like. <laughs> Dan, we're, we're, yeah, going we're, a to, mu- we're going we're a month out. Yeah, we're going to dinner next week. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where do you guys fall, sweet or savory breakfast? I'm 100% savory. More savory if I had to pick one. Extremely mm-hmm. savory. <laughs> is, is that, you don't have to like give me the breakdown of your sales or anything, but do you find the crowd overall leans one way more than the other? I'd say more, uh, slightly more savory. I, I mean, you can't, beat like the standard breakfast right the yeah. the protein the toast the eggs and the hash browns like that is gonna pretty much be your best seller i feel like anywhere you go for the most part so and that's mostly savory although if you throw the pancakes on there that gets a little sweet in there too so i would say for us mostly mostly savory mm-hmm. and, and it, it kind of changes throughout the day too your early morning crowd is is gonna hit savory or pancakes um as kind of the more typical thing like and it, like how many kids are in your dining room? That will 100% affect what you're about to get, too. If, if there's a lot of kids, you're going to get a little bit more on the sweet side and a lot more pancakes and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, I would say overall, you know, there's a lot of sweet brunch eaters. I'd say it's probably like a 60-40 savory, somewhere around there. Yeah. I totally agree. And I'm having a lot of fun with, like, people treating brunch like dinner. So they'll have an appetizer of, like, so like can, we just, can you just bring some of those? pancakes out while we you know and they'll share that as their their dessert appetizer or whatever and then like grab on the rest of it interesting yeah it's also kind of a plate safe thing like if you don't know that a restaurant like makes great salsa maybe you're not gonna order that that special because you're like i don't know i'm in omaha nebraska i don't don't know um but like if you're at a restaurant where you really like like trust and know that that chef or whatever or that team you're more likely to branch out into that savory stuff so like when lemon tree first opened and when like gravy train first opened the sweet stuff would sell like crazy because people are like yeah i can see the frosting i know that's good but you kind of earn their trust and they start trying your your bon me or your whatever your your bacon pancake and they trust you a little more to to go that way mm-hmm uh, Chase, you mentioned, and this is starting to change a little bit, but even as recently as five, ten years ago, Omaha was very much kind of like that when you wanted to get breakfast, it was like that greasy spoon diner. It mm-hmm. was very much bacon, eggs, toast, hash browns, you know, that, that type of stuff. Not a lot of innovation, not a lot of fancy stuff. And that culture is changing a little bit. But how do you guys walk that line between – breakfast is just this playground you know you've got eggs and you've got pancakes these are things that are you can just paint with whatever colors you want on them but you also have to you know you can't just pull people kicking and screaming into you know this new stuff you got to provide the classics as well how do you kind of walk that line and kind of nudge people along but not shove them so i am like i keep i keep about five or six things on my menu constantly so it's the things that um, people are going to come and expect, and they're creative, but they're not over the top. Um, and people know, like, the Cali Club is one of them. We do a, a dos salsas, which is essentially like a weird twist on huevos rancheros. But um, And so, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be traditional to everyone, but if there are things that people are coming to your place specifically for, there's four or five things that I don't touch. And then the rest of it is just kind of fair game. And you hope that someone's going to take a chance on one of the things that are new and interesting, and then you just kind of nudge people along that way. I mean, recently in this past year, one of my favorite things to do is just to have an idea and to pass it on to somebody and see what kind of comes out of it. Um, I'm fortunate that one of my lead cooks, the the girl who's my next partner, Angie, and I um, at the Countryside Village location, 
Um, she's been with me for almost 15 years now through about six or seven different restaurants I've taken or wherever I've gone. And my favorite thing is to get an idea popped in my head at like six or seven at night and I'll text it to her and I'll be like, work on this. And then she's a get on the computer, look at recipes, figure out this, figure out this. I just, I don't do that. So <laughs> if I really want something to come out good, I have to send it her way. Um, and then I just see what they come up with. And then I, I put about three or four ultra creative things on the menu in hopes that someone will order them. And uh, we get a little steeper and steeper as we go. So I think, I think the last one I sent her was I'm like, come up with um, kind of a cross between vegan peaches and cream and parfait. I'm like, can we do pistachio granola? Can we use coconut cream? Like, how, how can we make a cold vegan sweet dish that's just going to be lights out? And then the other idea I passed on to one of my other cooks was I said, let's do smoked pork enchiladas and green chili with eggs on top of it. And so then he's working on that one right now. So Yes, please. I think you just divide and conquer. You you have your kind of loss leaders there that are going to bring people in the door, and then you have another half of your menu that's going to be there if anyone ever wants to take a chance. I feel like that was one of the most terrifying things when we first opened. Um, so in February, it'll be three years. And so I remember the first chef I was working with, it was like, so you're, you're going to be able to get a chicken fried steak and like a, a hummus bowl on the same ticket if you want. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, it sounds great, I think. But it's just, you know, it's, it's yeah, having your classics that you know are going to kind of serve a wide audience that people will come back for and then also having a little bit of fun to play around with stuff and, and yeah, walking that line between pushing the edge and also staying approachable and there's no clear line with that. Just you got to kind of find it. And it's just trial and error for us to see what works and what doesn't. I think the busier I've gotten and like whatever things, the joke that became the job, that became the full-time job, like <laughs> my life now. Um, I just, I, I had to learn that I need to make the people that work with me, you know, my coworkers have to be successful. They got to feel, they need their cups filled. And not everybody is a creative. Some people are executors. And, They've got to be able to run that line and feel like they're kicking butt. And if I've got 15 garnishes on the special, it's going to be really good. But only I will have joy when I'm bibbity-boppeting it all over the place in the kitchen. And I do, and I love it, and it's fun for me. But when I was under a little 10-foot tent with just me and my husband, that, that flew. That was great with staff that changes day to day and that comes in with their you know their own energy level they need it really really dialed in and so like i i kind of look to them about what i think they can execute but then always their buy-in like just like you just absolutely guys what, what are we gonna do next week <laughs> what do you what do you or we're, we're like talking about something we're craving I'm like you want to make it into a something what should we do and we level each other up that way but then we also have a group discussion about Okay, that's how we do it for ourselves if we're having a party tomorrow. But how are we going to execute this and, and, like, have fun while we do it and not feel stressed? Um, how do we do that in this little space? How do we do that with what we have in the kitchen today and not me going and buying 30 new ingredients, which I love to do. Um, but so it's just, you know, it's that balance of what will people order? But I think people will order anything that you believe in, like anything that, that we love, like if, if – we can if the front of house is is really putting that out there, they'll order it and they'll they'll take a chance on it. But like, um, how can I how can I make everybody shine and and like everybody shine, you know, from from the person that's prepping, the person that's putting it out, the person that's serving it, and having to describe it and like bringing all the cultural relevance of all those people into the story and into the dish is something I think about every single time. Um, and it's, it kind of goes back to fine dining. I mean, like, that's where I got my, my love of food and my love of cooking and grew up in the diner. And I, I spent a lot of my adult life and young adult life working with amazing chefs and really digging into the fine dining. But, like, when you translate that into something like brunch, it's like your food tells a story and it's got special elements, but everybody there needs to be able to speak to it. You can't, I don't want to be the star. I want everybody there to be proud of it and know how to do it so like the next crazy thing that comes out on the menu probably gonna be something that somebody else thought of that i just coached them through nice 
So we've talked a little bit about the difference between breakfast and brunch. And I feel like brunch kind of became a thing, I don't know, somewhere between 2010, 2015, somewhere in there. That's where it really ascended and like established its own culture almost. And I kind of have my my hypothesis on why that is. But I'm curious to what you guys think, Chase, especially as someone who had a restaurant kind of as that shift was happening. Why, why do you think brunch like ascended and kind of became its own thing? Wow. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I remember specifically knowing that it was going to happen because, honestly, if you're in Omaha, look and see what Chicago is doing because the interest between Chicago and Denver is going to be here before you know it. And I remember taking a trip to Chicago, and it was just getting really, really interesting brunch-wise up there. And... It hadn't happened in Omaha, but you kind of knew that it was going to happen. I don't know what happened here that possibly started it, but I mean, even, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, all you had to do was walk into your favorite restaurant on a Sunday morning and their brunch service was, was going off, like the, like people wanted it. And it's just, it hasn't become, it's, it's what it's done is it's grown beyond your first meal of the day, like... And I'm sure you guys see it too. We see tons of first dates for brunch now. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I mean, it's not weird if that's your thing, do it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, people are looking for something. We've done brunch weddings. We've done brunch Christmas parties. And it's just, it's people are always looking for something new and something different. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes next. Um, so I, I, I can't really pinpoint it, but you could just kind of feel, feel it happening. Brunch got pretty extreme there for a moment when it first started going crazy with like the Bloody Marys with like a full meal <laughs> yes. on a stick and I was stacked on top. It's like, what's going on? Uh-huh. It's kind of toned back and refined a little bit, but they're still out there. Yeah, forks in your drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's um yeah, it's fun to see see where it's going and like um you know, Omaha Omaha is like we're such a food loving town. But I think we're going to perfect anything, any trend that comes here. If it's worth it, it will, it'll, it'll kind of take hold. Um, and yeah, like there's, there's major cities that have no brunch scene, but like in the Midwest, we like it. <laughs> we really like it. And Chicago, I mean, I used to go to Chicago for breakfast, to get breakfast. Like, yes, that was the whole point. And like, there's only one Sunday in the week, you know, you can't get brunch like everywhere you want to go. So you could go to Chicago every weekend, but um, but we're kind of there now. And um, like, I think I think people who are here who are interested in it have pushed that and made it, supported it, because like, thank you guys for showing up on a weekday. So because you can't pay your bills on just Sunday brunch, no matter what, you know, you do need those people who want it all the time. And um, like, catering brunch has been the biggest joy ever. I, I did a fun thing last year. Um, my, my friend started a glamping business, and she one of her add-ons was like a like a biscuit and gravy box, and I would like tiptoe to people's tents and like drop <laughs> drop this like beautiful box of biscuits and gravy and run so they'd wake up and have like hot brunch waiting. <laughs> and it was just like a moment. I don't have time to do it anymore, but like um, you know, it just makes everything more special and more great. So we're gonna start seeing that. And, Brunch weddings are huge. I've done done some of those, and it's like the best time. I like wish I had done that. I'm like jealous that I didn't think of that. You know. I mean, it, it even could be as simple as someone being like, "I want breakfast, but I also want to drink vodka and champagne in the morning." So let's not <laughs> call it, it breakfast anymore. It's acceptable <laughs> to drink in the mornings now. <laughs> I, I I think something else that plays into it. I found this study from 2002 that said more than half of customers report that their breakfast is the same thing every day. So whether that is, you know, um, somebody just, you know, slamming down some oatmeal or Pop-Tarts or whatever as they're going to work or having a protein bar to just have the energy to get to lunch. Honestly, I don't even have breakfast most of the time. I just skip it and start my day. So it's like when you plan brunch and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to a restaurant and like enjoy breakfast it's almost like a mini celebration because it's like here's this really mundane boring thing most of the time but on this one day i'm gonna make it special 
So it almost feels like there's there's something more to it. Do you think that could play into it as well? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it goes back to the what we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, when you go out to eat, you know, trust the restaurant, hope that they have taken the time, put the effort into um, find the ingredients that work well together in a way that maybe you didn't expect that they would, or or in a way that you normally wouldn't like, but you would this time, and so. Um, yeah, people totally, when they're at home, like, make your food how you want to. Like, eat it however tastes good to you. And then when you come to us, maybe take a little bit of a risk and trust us a little bit. We're trying to do good things. And if you don't like it, you know, talk to us, tell us, and, and uh, we'll make it right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, my, I mean, my kids and my, my wife, we all do the most basic breakfast at home. And then at the restaurant, it's like, how are we going to get crazy today? What are we going to do for fun? <laughs> A lot of people don't know how to cook an egg. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Legitimately, like I I taught a like a private like beef Wellington class last week to some people, and uh, we were having so much fun, and it was like you know kind of high high minded food we were doing, and somehow we got talking about scrambled eggs, and that was like the takeaway for the night. It was like I'm going to make my eggs that way now, (laughs) and you know it's like I I'm a dietitian, so like teaching people to eat and to getting people to eat together is like my little way of saving the world. And, you know, we have fun while we do it. But I remember popping up like a little cooking class in undergrad in the dorms. And I was going to do, I was going to do veggie fried rice because whatever. I was like, everybody here eats takeout. This is like the most basic thing I could ever do. And I started with, well, okay, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to just like scramble an egg. And nobody knew how to scramble an egg. And these were like sophomores in college. So it's a different time. It's special. And doesn't toast taste better when someone makes it for you? Like, yes. When mm-hmm. someone else butters your toast, it's just like a love thing and it's simple, but it's so much better. And um, so that like feeling will never die. And I just think that's, that's, that's the why. All right. I got to ask you guys about. One of my favorite things in the world. One of my love languages. That's breakfast sandwiches. I absolutely love breakfast sandwiches. And you guys all have excellent versions. I don't think that a a breakfast place can be great unless it has a great breakfast sandwich. You guys do. So I would love to hear from each of you. How did you like construct? How did you come up with your signature breakfast sandwich and build it from the bottom up? Chase, we'll start with you. The Cali Club. You know how I feel about this thing. Well, if I had to put my vote out there, it would definitely be the sausage egg McMuffin is king of all breakfast sandwiches to me. But Do you put the hash brown inside of it? I don't, but oh I, I will try that. <laughs> Next time. Um, so Cali Club is a, was one of those dishes that got thrown in as a space filler. On like my second menu that I wrote, it was the first rewrite that I was doing. I was working a ton. Um, no one will tell you this, but your first couple of weeks, you will literally be there till midnight every night trying to get ready to, to go. It's, it's kind of funny. Our first week that we were open, we didn't stay up until 2. A single time, we had to close early every time because we yeah. ran out of food. So um, I was doing my first rewrite, and it's funny. When you don't have your restaurant open, creatively, you're on fire. When you do open it and you're ready for your second rewrite, you have absolutely no ideas whatsoever. <laughs> Um, so I was trying to fill a 12-space menu because we like to keep our menu small, and I needed one more space. And I conjured it up in my head in about five minutes. I wrote it down on paper. I made the first one ever when it was ordered for the first time the next morning, and it has literally never changed since then. It was just one of those lightning-in-a-bottle things. And I wish it had a better story. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who's not had it, First of all, change that. Go have this. It's a croissant. You got a fried egg, bacon, chipotle cream cheese, smoked American? Smoked cheddar. Smoked cheddar. Am I missing? Oh, an avocado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's an excellent sandwich. All right, Megan, the Dawn Phenomenon. Oh, I'm a diabetes educator. (laughs) And so the Dawn Phenomenon is like an inside joke with all my diabetes people. Uh, It's like a term for blood sugars that rise unexpectedly in the morning but you know i mean genetically like we're built that way so we can outrun tigers and bears and whatever so it's kind of awesome but um not if you have diabetes anyway um <laughs> the story's starting off awesome rough <laughs> so uh i you know all the breakfast sandwiches are afterthoughts for me because i'm like a sauce girl i want i want the messiest food possible i want like 10 sauces and 
whatever. Like, I just love it all. Um, but, you know, everybody wants a breakfast sandwich. And um, so I just was like, what? What do I make myself? And this is what I make myself. And it's like, it's bacon and ham and, like, a gooey egg and then the herb aioli. And I just think you just need a little something fresh always. Like, that little punch and that brightness is so important. It's it's a balanced thing. But, like, fresh parsley goes a mile, you know, a little dill, a little, little something. And so that's on there. And, like, like when I made it at Gravy Train, it was called, what the hell did I call that? the ultimate breakfast sandwich or something. And it was like, it was on a biscuit. And it came with a side of whatever sauce you wanted. So you can have hollandaise or gravy or whatever. (laughs) And and marinated tomatoes that like puts that brightness in there. And like fresh sprouts. And yeah, it just, it's like, it's the most hippie thing you've ever heard of. But it's just so wonderful because it's gooey and it's warm and it's salty. and But then there's like these little fresh things that are going on to make you want to keep eating it. Um, and it's dunkable or smotherable or whatever you want to do. If you're doing it in the car, you, you know. But um, at Lemon Tree, it kind of turned into the dawn phenomenon because I was like, okay, I need to do something straight up breakfast sandwich. So we put it on like grilled sourdough, which we're still searching for our perfect sourdough. I don't want to make it. <laughs> I just don't. I'm into focaccia right now. I'm making focaccia. So it may end up on focaccia. <laughs> But it's on sourdough, and it's just really good, and everybody loves it. And it's just like one of those sandwiches where you can hold it, but then there's a little bit of runny egg on the plate that you can kind of, like, take the sandwich and, like, scoop it up <laughs> a little bit. Um, but it's all about the sauce, so it's that aioli. And I literally got the idea from Amigos. Amigos. Why not? That's the best fast food, except for, like, a sausage McMuffin with the hash brown inside and an extra piece of cheese. That's what I do when I'm having, like, a real bad day. <laughs> I get that door dashed to my house <laughs> like a good day. that's that's how i go out into the world with a smile on my face i'm like i'm not gonna go out there until i get myself right and i'm just gonna do this and it happens sometimes but um but yeah amigos is like like bagel sandwich and they put mayonnaise on it and i was like why is this sandwich so much better than any other breakfast sandwich it's like mayonnaise summer kitchen cafe used to put mayonnaise on their breakfast <gasps> sandwiches too oh yeah so uh mcdonald's or amigos you want to sponsor the podcast <laughs> we're, in, we're, we're into that, yeah. <laughs> Christian, your good looking goes super customizable. You guys don't really have like the breakfast sandwich, but you you have the English muffin, you've got the aioli, and then you're like, okay, customer, build it yourself. Yeah. Why, why, why'd you choose to go that way? Yeah, so it's, you know, we took kind of the more simple route. We didn't do a fully uh, kind of creative custom sandwich. We went like the egg McMuffin route, essentially, like for all the reasons we've been talking about. <laughs> but when you do something so simple ingredient-wise with that, you have to like try to knock everything out of the park. I mean, with, with everything you do. But when there's only like four components, it's like you got to try to do it all well. So I think for us, the big part of that is the English muffins. So we make our English muffins in-house. Mm-hmm. They get... Um, griddled and like a, a shallow amount of clarified butter so they're kind of extra buttery and a little bit crispy and um very you know bready tasting because we ferment them for a certain amount of time um so that's the base for us and that's that's a big thing is like starting with that solid base and then on top of that we have our um our hersey oli that's kind of like our house oli that we do the breakfast sausage that we mix up in house it's kind of sagey brown sugary aleppo-y um, and then uh, sharp cheddar. And so that's like your basic sandwich. But then, yeah, you can go bacon. You can do different eggs on it. We have one that has tater tots and a curry ketchup and American cheese on it. That's like a very indulgent. Um, once again, like the curry ketchup's kind of the curveball on there. And, and the tater tots, I obviously have done that before and enjoyed it a lot. So um, the, the long ch- and everything. Yeah, the crunchy, <laughs> greasy ass. It's great. And so, uh, so yeah, we... Um, we start simple, though. I think for us, it's really the English muffin that we make in the house that kind of helps elevate it and makes us a little bit more unique and different. Love it. All right, we're up against the clock a little bit, but I've got some quick hitters for you guys that I just want to hear. So, like, five words or less on, on a couple of these. Pancakes, French toast, or waffles? Waffles. Plain. Pancakes. Pancakes. Hash browns or home fries? Hash browns, 100%. If I'm making them hash browns. Hash browns. Uh, favorite style of egg? Or favorite way to cook an egg, I guess. However you would term that. Um, serve it um, crispy, bottom, crispy bottom sunny side up. 
Yeah, I'd say I'd say olive oil, easy. Soft scram with some chives and mulled on salt. Okay, and this one I'll allow you a few more words. Try and keep it short, but best best brunch you've ever had, or most memorable brunch. Um, publican Chicago New Year's Day four years ago. What'd you have? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> they do Fair it, enough. They, they do a braised bacon and maple syrup. Oh. Uh, Publican Chicago is all about the meats. So if you're a meat eater, it's the place to be. Okay. Publican in Chicago. I can't pronounce it. It's like off Chalaya. And who's been to New Orleans who knows what I'm talking about? It's the best restaurant in New Orleans. It's spelled like A-F-A-T-E-C-H-A-L. There's all the vowels. Y, A. It's a 10, 12-letter word. And, uh, yeah, best best brunch I've ever had the food technically but like the vibes I'd say probably probably still like when I was 19 working at Wheeler's Glenn Wheeler and Colin Duggan making me they would like go out of their way to make the craziest thing they could make to like get as many calories into me as possible I was like a size zero and like very young and eager to learn about food so they would just like booze and butter everything and light it on fire and like add cheese and then see if I could finish it and that's that was my favorite. And I still love everything they make all the time. And you can still get Colin's food at Kitchen Table on Sundays. But did you find it? Uh, I did. Okay. The deviled egg had, like, deep-fried salmon skin on it. And that I usually do that for my dog. That's actually, like, what I do for my dog because <laughs> I love her so much. But I was like, dang, this is great. Everything I ate was great. Atchafalaya? Atchafalaya. Wow, you could pronounce it. I was looking at it, and I was like, I'm, I'm not even well, going to try. I don't know try. if it's right. If anyone's got <laughs> any. Just say confidently, Atchafalaya. Atchafalaya, yes. and it's like, okay, it's like hours of waiting, and it doesn't matter because the vibes, like, yeah, you're sitting in the neighborhood, and you're sitting on the curb with a bunch of strangers, and they're all half drunk, and it's fine. It's, it's great. Uh, for me, probably a little cafe in Scottsdale, Arizona, called Aloe Cafe, and it was a spot that I just kind of found like a back alleyway in Old Town Scottsdale that super small. I think there's like maybe 15 seats on the inside and a, a really fun patio with like overgrown vines kind of overhanging all the tables. And uh, it was fun because I had a little food blog at the time when I lived there when I was younger and I did food photography for it. And I had this pastrami, smoked pastrami breakfast burrito with mm. some like green chili sauce. And uh, he, the owner saw me taking photos of this big old gruff guy. And he comes walking over with a bowl of green chili. He's like, you need a little more of this on there. And he starts, like, pouring it on. And his hands, he must have been, like, a mechanic because his hands are all dirty. He's, like, pouring green chili on my burrito. And I'm taking photos. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and something about the whole experience was just, like, memorable. And the food was amazing. It was kind of one of those things that was beyond food. It was the, the atmosphere and the hospitality and everything was really fun. So it was very memorable. It sounds like it. It reminds me of Tonda's. I don't know if anyone here is old enough to remember Tonda's. It was on 16th before, like, First National Bulldoze that block. It was the old Dixie Quicks was next door. And they had, like, the greasy screen door and the guy in the wife beater T-shirt, tank top, whatever the PC way of saying that is now, mm-hmm. um, that he would wear that. And then it was, he'd make this, like, hash. Of, everything was hash. And it was, like, the most amazing hash mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so greasy in there. Well, thank you guys for coming and sharing memories, coming and sharing insights. This has been awesome. It was everything I wanted. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot. I got breakfast for dinner, which is always a win. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I think we kind of got into why brunch is so special. I mean, the way that you guys talk about it, the amount of thought that you put into it, like, you know that somebody, you know, they might have crappy breakfast five times a week six times a week but that one time a week it's going to be special and you know that they're going to come in and they're going to want that and you give that to them and i just want to say thank you for making that happen thank you for coming on the podcast tonight this is this is awesome thank you dan yeah thank you omaha as always thanks for eating with us A Huda Media Production.